and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is a spoiler-free podcast. So whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thank you for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 6, Episode 5, Life Serial. And we have a special guest joining us today. Welcome back, Kendara. Hey! So excited <laughs> to be back for Season 6. Indeed. <laughs> you warned us you were coming back, and here you are. You, we, we gave you the list. We said, here are the episodes of Season 6. Which ones do you want to cover? You picked this one specifically. I think we actually offered a different one to you. And you're like, no, no, this is the one I want to do. You can tell us now why that is, or we can reveal it later on. Maybe for just for the benefit of people who haven't listened to an episode with Kendara before. Uh, Kendara, could you maybe introduce yourself to our audience? Oh, sure. Yes. Um, I am a semi-frequent guest here on Prophecy Girls. Um, I'm Kendara Blake. I am the author of the Buffy the Next Generation trilogy that's being put out by Disney right now. Um, the first two books in every generation and one girl in all the world are out already. And the third and final book titled Against the Darkness comes out on January 23rd. I'm so excited. <laughs> so Kara offered me Hell's Bells, I believe, because that is also a super fun episode. And I was like, what about Life Serial? <laughs> because I remember this episode as one of my favorite Sarah Michelle Gellar performances. She gets, just gets to do a lot in this episode, and I think she does everything extremely well. Plus, I remembered it being kind of zany and funny and not too heavy yet, mm -hmm. so thought it might be fun. You were correct, <laughs> just <laughs> after I've watched it this week. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my alternate title for this episode would be Time's a Wastin'. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know this. Actually, probably not because we're dropping Afterlife, I think, this week. Uh, we've started seeing, like, is is there a different name that we would give these episodes after watching them? So that's Kara's. I didn't think too hard on this one. I I, I, I would have left it as Life Serial for, for me. I'd be boring this week. I think Life Serial is an interesting title because when we hear, hear the word serial, you know, we often think of like serial killer and death, right? So this one's almost like, I think there's so many meanings to this, like life serial. This is the next in Buffy's series of lives because she's died twice now um, and keeps coming back and keeps having to live another life. Yeah. And I, I like that the, the trio, because they're watching her from afar, right? So for me, it was like... like oh, oh, you enjoy when men watch women. Okay. Yes. I understand. <laughs> I like when these three watch Buffy. I don't like when others watch her. <laughs> No, no, I just thought that was clever. It's like watching, um, they're watching Buffy's life from afar. Like it's a, like she's just an a, an object, like um, an entity, like a TV show that they're watching. Yeah, absolutely. And also because Buffy's kind of doing that with her own life too. Um, we'll get into that as we get into the episode. But she, in a lot of ways, to me, seems to be pulling back from stuff that's happening to her. And you know what? I don't blame her one bit because she 
reveal that she was in heaven and not hell, and that sucks. <laughs> so we're going to be dealing with that throughout the season. But in this episode, I was seeing it a lot more. So I, I actually really liked the title. I thought it was very clever. I will say right before we jump in that these scenes are long, right? Like I, when I type out the notes, I'm, sometimes we're going like scene, scene, scene. This is like 10 scenes, 10 very long scenes <laughs> that are they're cut up from different perspectives, which is interesting. And uh, like Kandara was saying, Sarah Michelle Gellar gets to do a lot of stuff in this episode. And it is it is so Buffy, right? Because at the end of the episode, I was like, w- was Dawn even in this episode? And she was mm-hmm. at the very beginning. And it just feels like it's so chunky, this episode. Like she has her like different days and every different days with a different Scooby. So it just feels like it is a very Sarah Michelle Gellar centered uh, story. Let's get into the episode. Um, Buffy is coming home. It's nighttime. And she's bringing dinner in a bucket. Ooh, we're upgrading. We're New upgrading. network. <laughs> no more bags. Dinner in a bag is out. Dinner in a bucket is in. and Or or it could just also show how Buffy's not like with it yet. Oh, <laughs> she she's, she yeah, you're right. She's not herself. She doesn't have that summer's touch. Yeah, she hasn't quite embraced <laughs> Joyce's lifestyle yet. So dinner in a bucket it is. Tara, Willow, Giles, and Dawn are all seated at the dining room table eating a home-cooked dinner. And I was like, how would you guys afford that? That's <laughs> what I was thinking. So here's my question. And either or both of you can answer this. Who do you think cooked that dinner? (laughs) Giles. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, maybe Giles with like a side helping of Tara. Because I don't think Willow knows how to cook for sure. I think Willow would make some excuse about being too busy with some computer stuff or something. Yeah. I I agree with you both. Giles and Tara seem like the most responsible adults in the room. Yeah, they're the most domestic at the moment. So I don't really see what they're eating. I didn't take a look closely, but they seem to be enjoying it. And Don says, oh, we didn't know when you'd be coming back. And Buffy's like, okay, well, that's okay. More for me. Cut to Buffy eating the entire bucket of chicken. That's just the rest of the episode. It's just Sarah Michelle Gellar, one by one, demolishing the entire bucket. (laughs) And that's also a snapshot into what most of my nights look like. <laughs> in front of the TV, rewatching people, Harry Potter. But you, you might think Steph's joking, people. But no. literally, I have like she has delayed recordings in the past because her husband has just made her chicken. Because <laughs> there's chicken in a bucket that I need to get to. Yeah. So everyone is being really polite about the chicken, though, right? They're saying like, "Oh, I could do for some chicken. Oh, I love a drumstick." And Willow says, "I'm a breast gal myself." But then again, you knew that. And she looks at Tara, and the the face that Giles gives to this comment is priceless. He's like, "God." <laughs> And it's not homophobia. It's just like the 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 blatant PDA of that. <laughs> I'm with Giles. You must have heard yeah. so many of these comments during his time in Sunnydale recently. Giles is literally like, I thought I escaped. Like I literally made it out of town. And then you pulled me back in by bringing Buffy back from the dead. So um, Buffy sits down, right? And Donifer, as Kara would like us to refer to her as, uh, she asks, Buffy, what we all want to ask Buffy, which is, how was it seeing Angel, him seeing you? Because let's not forget, at the end of Flooded, or Fluted, as I like to call it, Buffy took off because Angel called. And she's like, I'm going to go see him. Didn't even grab a purse. Didn't grab an overnight bag. Just just took off. Thank God her shoes were already on because it's America. <laughs> Giles leaves the table at this point. And I just thought that it was interesting how they showed that because let's not forget. 
that Giles hates Angel's guts. <laughs> like he he will work with Angel when he has to, but he literally hates that guy. With good reason, he killed Jenny. So everyone's staring at Buffy and she says it was intense. I don't want to talk about it. It's in the past. It's not important. I'd rather keep this one to myself if that's okay. Um, Buffy, it is certainly not okay. Okay, like you can't just take off at the end of the last episode and come back in this one and say, I'm not going to talk about what happened. That's not fair. Steph needs details. Where? When? How many times? What? Yeah, exactly. How many times was the penetration? <laughs> oh my goodness. I, okay, let's talk about this because I, no, I don't remember. No, bringing it up. <laughs> let's talk about it. I don't remember what Angel says when he gets back on his own series after meeting with Buffy. I'm sure he says the same thing. Like, I don't want to talk about it. But why? Like, why don't you tell us what happened? I personally like to think that Buffy told Angel that she, like, what she's going through, right? She came back, not from a hell dimension like he did. And he's probably like, oh, because he probably thought that he could really help her with that. She came back from heaven. And I think it's, it would probably be very similar to Forever when he came to see her at her mother's funeral and he was just there to listen to her and give her support. That's the G-rated version of what could have happened. The other part of it was that it's like, I will remember you all over again because now they're more mature and Angel knows how to get with her without losing his soul. So that's my thoughts. Do you guys have thoughts on it? I thought a lot about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's a really good question. To, I didn't even think about what they talked about. <sighs> Did Buffy tell Angel... I kind of want to lead towards no. I don't know. I'm not sure that Angel could handle that. We're also unsure how long she was gone. Like this could have been just the one day. Like she left that morning and is back this night. This could be five days later. Like we don't know. <laughs> I think she wanted more of the physical comfort from Angel, right? Like uh -huh. just getting to see him and stuff. <laughs> getting to see him. <laughs> Spend time with him, like you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Kendara? I I didn't go as in-depth um, with my wondering. <laughs> Certainly not as in-depth as Steph has gone. But I think for me, this is the first time that I really felt uh, what the change between networks meant. Mm -hmm. Like, where is our sweet-ass crossover episode? Because that's what <laughs> we deserve. Like, that is what should have happened. And instead, we get kind of this ripoff of both of our main hero characters coming back and saying, like, yeah, man, it was it was really intense, but let me just keep that one close to the vest. It's like, no. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, the disappointment from the Zeppo when they had this epic fight behind the closed doors, but we followed Xander off somewhere else. And we were like, no, we want to see what happened. Yeah, so I, it's up to us to view, and that's a good point, Gadara. Like, I blame UPN. I blame UPN and the WB for not sharing, not playing sharesies. So if any listener out there has has a fanfic or something good that they want to share about what they think happened, send it along. I'll read it. The Scoobies just move on. They don't want to know more. They're, they're not like me, and they would have poked and poked and poked. Giles says there was some discussion in her absence about what we're gonna, you're going to do now, what her plans are. And Buffy says that she's been given a lot of thought and she's figured out what she should do. Uh, she says, if I hold off paying the plumber, I can pay the utility bill. Then I can wait to reshingle the roof. And Giles interrupts and says, no, I meant with your life. 
Buffy says, ah, life plans. I have no idea. I left school when mom got sick, but I always figured I'd go back. But then she... So I was thinking about re-enrolling, but I missed the registration cutoff, busy being dead and all. So Willow and Tara are both saying she should go to class with them and audit for the rest of the semester until registration opens up again. And Buffy's like, yeah, I guess I could do that. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like a good plan. What do you think, Giles? And before it cuts away it, to the next scene, it does show Giles like deep in thought about Buffy's response. And my first thought to this little conversation was Buffy, I thought you were broke. <laughs> and in my opinion, going back to college right now when you're this broke, I don't know if that's the best decision. I don't know. That's how I felt at first. And then my other thoughts were about Giles and what he, what, why he's asking Buffy this. Why would it focus on his face? Like showing that like thoughtful face right before it cuts away. Because it could have just cut away after Buffy said, what do you think? I agree with you. You know, I think for too long, Buffy has been freeloading off of others. She needs to get a job and pull herself up by her own bootstraps and contribute to the economy. Mm. <laughs> mm, capitalism. <laughs> Sorry, were you, were you not asking me to answer that as Anya? No, no, that's why I, I expected you to answer as Anya. In fact, <laughs> I'm glad you did. Yeah, it just seems like a weird thing for her to think to go and do. But also, it's interesting to me that Giles is noticing that Buffy can't really commit to an answer, right? He asks her straight up, like, what do you think you're going to do? And she's like, I don't know. Dear Giles, have you forgotten how for the entirety of season four, you were just a, a ba an unemployed bachelor? Like, <laughs> let's cut Buffy some slack here. No, Buffy needs, like you said, to pull up her bootstrings and get to work. <laughs> And have a plan for herself, even though her plan was to die and sacrifice herself and, and live in heaven. But now she can't do that anymore. So this is a very long opening scene. Uh, we cut to Jonathan standing in front of the, some garage and <laughs> saying, the Slayer always knows what, what she's doing. Sharp, decisive, always with a plan. We're never going to become the crime lords of Sunnydale with her always one step ahead of us. And he's talking to Warren who's working on this black van and he's saying that that's why we're throwing these tests at her seeing which one of us can shake her up the most maybe find a weakness or something and then he's like she's ready and it's the van it's a creeper van it, it is it's a one of those gross surveillance vans he's put in nine high resolution surveillance cameras we got like super wide angle and infrared and all that stuff he's got like audio matrix monitoring and everything and Jonathan's, yeah, 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 yeah. Just like, just tell me, are you sure with all the stuff that we're going to be able to watch Buffy without her noticing us? And they walk around to the side of the car as Warren is saying, absolutely. She'll never even know. What the hell is that? And it's because Andrew has spray painted what I thought was a, a remarkable painting of the Death Star from Star Wars on the side of the van. Remarkable. That was awesome. It's art. It's like art. He has missed his calling. He has, he has. Um, and he says, it's the Death Star, dude. Wicked, huh? And Jonathan says, the thermal exhaust port's above the main port, numbnuts. And Andrew's like, for your information, I'm using the Empire's revised designs from Return of the Jedi. And Jonathan's like, it's a flawed design. And I just thought that this was a funny <laughs> little exchange, which, again, I'll admit it, the trio make me laugh sometimes. And this, this made me laugh. And Warren's like, okay, okay, like the thing is, since we're messing with the Slayer who could pummel the three of us into a sludgy substance, it might be a good idea to not draw attention to ourselves. And Andrew's like, oh, I could paint over it if you want. And Warren's like, dude, Aww. 
<laughs> I know, don't. Because this time tomorrow, the games begin and the Slayer will never know what hit her. Cut to credits. Okay, so Buffy's at UC Sunnydale with Willow. They're walking to a class together and Buffy's like, this is going to be great. I thought it might be weird being back. And it is weird, but a good weird. And Willow says, the teacher's name is Mike. You'll like Mike. And Buffy's really surprised that they call the teacher Mike. And it turns out Mike uh, is running a social construction of reality class. <laughs> what? Or at least the discussion is, is that. I don't know what they're studying. All the students are raising their hands to participate in this lecture. Uh, he calls on a Rachel, right? And she says, a concept of involving a couple of opposing theories, one stressing the externality and independence of social realities from individuals. And I was like, what, what, what? Like, <laughs> I'm lost too. I don't blame Fluffy for being confused here. Mike asks more questions. More hands are raised. A guy named Steve also joins in the conversation before Mike calls on a guy named Chuck. Um, something I noted here was that Rachel and Steve are minority characters you know what i mean uh rachel was asian an asian woman steve is a black or brown man and i i point this out because it's so noticeable because it happens so little on the show and it was something that really stood out to me in this classroom buffy's looking lost and says to willow that she's not following this really well and willow's like the trick is to get the rhythm kind of go with the flow and buffy says flow going would be a lot easier if your classmates weren't such big brains and will's like that's ridiculous they're no smarter than you or me but her hand is up while she's saying that and then she gets called on and she answers the question with very studiously like her like her peers and buffy just watches so i mean at least this is better than the last time buffy tried to get into a class and she was told that she was sucking the energy from the room <laughs> You're sucking the energy out of everyone in this room. Um, or when she like brought up an opposing thought. Uh, that was actually last time Kendara was in this, uh, was recording with oh. us. And that professor like shot her down. <laughs> or when she took an introductory psychology class and the professor turned out to be the leader of a secret <laughs> government uh, shadow paramilitary organization that hunted monsters. Oh, God. <laughs> or the one teacher that actually complimented her back in season one and then he got his head eaten by a <laughs> giant I, I, think, I think mike is right up there with the professor that was the english professor who made buffy like poems oh yeah who we don't know the name of never met before or after that again uh, um, i think this is understandable you know that buffy's feeling lost i think she should be a little easy on herself here like you said steph uh, a sociology class where they're talking about the social construction of reality. Like, <laughs> to be fair, this must be a second year class because Willow and Tara are presumably in their second year of college. So Third year, no? Is it their third? No, it's not their third year. Fourth year was first. No, you're right. Yeah. yeah, it is. Okay, it is third year. So there you go. Buffy needs to be back in the first year classes. Yeah, this is way too intense to just jump into. Like, yeah. did you see all those raised hands? This class is like my worst nightmare. <laughs> I never wanted to raise my... That's just disgusting to me. Like, stop it. Yeah. Children, well, put that, your hands That's on. a great point, Kendara. Like, I would expect the material in this class to be about what it is. But the idea that there's so many students so eager to participate in discussion, that's not realistic to me. <laughs> it must be Mike. Mike must be bringing that out in them. Yeah. So don't feel bad, Buffy. We're right there with you. After class in the hallway, Willow is telling her, you're not dumb, just rusty. Actually, I'm going to blame this on Willow. Willow should know better than to make Buffy audit her third year classes. Yeah, but Willow doesn't care about Buffy, except <laughs> in terms of how Buffy makes her look good. Perhaps this is Willow's revenge, because remember last year 
when Buffy was doing better at school than Willow. <laughs> and Willow was like, Ooh. I'm jealous. No, I'm okay. You know, maybe this is her, her villain. I think this is Willow, once again, wanting to see herself as Buffy's savior. She's like, yeah. I'm going to help Buffy find her path in life. Buffy can come and audit my classes and she's going to have a great time just like me because I have a great time because I love school. Because school's easy because I'm really smart. And Buffy's going to have a great time and then she's going to be so grateful. She's going to thank me again. <laughs> I love it when Buffy thanks me. Yeah, Willow Willow dropping the ball once again. So Buffy says, I should ease back in with a non-taxing class like Introduction to Pies and Advanced Walking. <laughs> Mm, I would take both of those classes. I already excel at those classes. In fact, I, could I, I would like them. the advanced walking class to be before the introduction to pies class, because if it's the other way around, that's not going to be a good time. No, it could be better the other way around. So you walk off the pie. Think about it. Yeah. But <laughs> do you really want to go for a walk after you've eaten like a whole pie? Oh, that's why it's advanced. Oh, ooh, oh. okay. What if you take them at the same time? So you have to walk while making pie. Oh, God. <laughs> Double major. Yeah, double major. <laughs> All right, enough about pies. Um, Tara catches up to them and she's asks how it went. And Willow says she did fine. Soci sociology, not a big fan. And Tara's like, oh, you didn't like Mike? <laughs> so everyone knows Mike. Poppy says, I just need a little time reacclimating to get back into the swing of things. And suddenly someone knocks into her and she drops her bag. And Willow shouts, hey, you should at least say sorry, Rudo. <laughs> and I'm actually very surprised that this guy didn't like rebound off of Buffy's body. <laughs> Cause I feel like Buffy's a tank, right? Anyway, it turns out that was Warren. Shocking. Right. He walks quickly away and around a corner and he stops to talk into a mic in his shirt. He calls, he says, Francis seven, this is Logan five. I'm in position. Do you copy in the van? Andrew and Jonathan can see him through the school's hallway camera and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's working great. And they wave and Warren waves. And then uh, he says the inhibitor is on initiate Omega pulse sequence. And then there's some machinery that comes out of the top of the van, which is like sitting what I thought was like a no parking zone like in the middle of campus because it, there's no other cars around it. It could be right next to Ruggs Field, which is like Riley's favorite field. <laughs> Back in the hallway, Buffy is with Tara and she's saying that um, Tara's saying her art appreciation class doesn't start for 20 minutes. So they got time to kill. So she gives Buffy a textbook to look at and um, Buffy's looking at it. And then she hears whoosh like a whoosh sound and tara is suddenly sitting on the bench in front of buffy and is mid story saying didn't think she'd like my cooking until i realized that was her yummy face oh and there's tara confirming right there that she cooks dinner so that was her making dinner the night before buffy is like what was that that noise what about cooking who's yummy face and tara's like willow wow you really got engrossed with that renaissance book and buffy's like i guess i must have spaced out Tara's like, yeah, I do that sometimes. Once Will and I were watching SpongeBob SquarePants and then she goes off into another story. Tara, this this is the chattiest Tara has <laughs> ever been. And we're getting, we're missing it. Chatty Kathy, right? Um, and all about Willow too. As Buffy is bending to take a drink from the water fountain, she hears the whooshing again. And suddenly Tara is at the end of the hallway shouting, Buffy, we're going to be late for class. And Buffy's like, what the f? And then it cuts off before she can say fuck. But it comes to Warren, who's entering the van, and he's like, is it working? And the trio confirms it's doing it. It's wicked cool. And we see Tara walking into the classroom, and Buffy is like running to catch up to her. But then the door slams in her face. And then whoosh, Tara is exiting the class after it completes and is saying, Buffy, where have you been? You missed art class. 
And then Buffy's like, Tara, something freaky is going on. And then we see the clock on the wall that fast forward about like what looks like half an hour. And Buffy says, there, did you see? But Tara is already gone. So Buffy's like, crap. And she runs outside. And we see Tara walking across campus away. And she's screaming for her. And then we see everybody else on campus as well, walking so fast, they're like blurs. And Buffy gets knocked over a couple times and she's like in pain on the ground. So she hides under a bench and a table as everyone is like worrying around her. And the boys are watching her in the van um, through the camera and they can hear Buffy saying, that noise, there's something on me. And Buffy takes off her cardigan and she finds the little camera that Warren put on her. And the boys are like, oh, oh no, no, like self-destruct, self-destruct. So just as Buffy's investigating it, it poofs away. <laughs> and everyone around her goes back to normal speed. Buffy is getting up. She's confused. And I noticed here she's wearing a cute little corset to school. Yeah, Why not? It's really cute. I'm yeah. like, ooh, that's a nice number. Yeah, she's so cute. I noticed that too. Her little cameo drop necklace, the cutest. Yeah, she looks great. So it's so, okay. So crisis averted, right? But like, my question was, what did Tara think was happening yeah. when Buffy fast forward? Yeah, that's my question too. So, so what's going on here is what's called time dilation, where uh, time moves more slowly for one observer than another. I cannot, for the life of me, come up with a plausible explanation for how Warren is doing this in the first place, right? Like, with just a tiny little device on Buffy, he manages to cause her to enter some kind of time dilation field. And like you said, Steph, even if we can stipulate that Warren could slow down time for just Buffy, wouldn't that just make her like a statue for everybody else? <laughs> right? So Tara's like talking to her and then she just stands there and she's like, okay, bye. And just like walks away. It's so weird. Anyway, in the van, Ward is asking for his score. Jonathan's like, right, 50 points for ingenu ingenuity, another 30 since it involved actual contact. And Andrew's like, very smooth, by the way. Jonathan says, on a frequometer, I'd say she was a six. And Warren says, that was an eight, easy. And Jonathan and Andrew confer with each other. And then they're like, okay, we'll split the diff called seven, which is good for 140, gives you a grand total of 220. Warren laughs, says, beat that. And Andrew says, I will. I will. <laughs> and we, we have the last shot of Buffy looking confused as he says that. So the next scene is Buffy on a construction site. And I was like, woke up because this is like my, my job too. So Buffy is on a construction <laughs> site with Xander looking cute again she's so cute in this episode in her little pigtails with daisy like elastics and her, she got her hard hat on boots a tool belt and a lunchbox <laughs> she's not wearing her safety vest so that's not up to code but um yeah like as someone who is familiar working on a construction site this was fun for me <laughs> I, I really want your thoughts on this especially the mm. blatant sexism that buffy endures in this scene stuff ah uh, yes i have things to say so buffy and xander are walking side by side and she's telling xander this is going to be great diving into the workforce being a breadwinner building things with my hands and Xander says, well, you won't be building so much as lifting and toting. It's just a temp gig, Buff, unless it takes. Since you're not union, I had to call in a few favors to get you on a crew. And Buffy's very appreciative. Uh, and she says, well, you saved me from having to accept Giles's offer to work for the magic box. I mean, retail? I'd rather be dead again. Oh, Buffy. 
<laughs> uh, and Xander is a little bit uncomfortable, right? Yeah, it's the morbidity of it. Like, mm-hmm. mm, okay, you can joke about being dead, Buffy. So Xander asks if Giles has any thoughts about the fast forward freakout at school. And Buffy says that Giles implied that it could just be stress related, i.e. it was all in her head. Giles has gotten so lazy since coming back from England. He's like, do I really have to do research? Like, even coming back from the dead again, the Scoobies are still not taking Buffy seriously when she says weird things are happening. It's been it's been five years, people. Like, believe her. <laughs> uh, Buffy is being gaslit once again <laughs> by the Scoobies. And she says, oh, I guess I could have been blacking out. That's right, Buffy. Nothing to see here. You were wrong. People blur around you all the time. <laughs> exactly. This is just a normal Friday. And she says, but there was a thing on my sweater that blew away or went poof. Maybe it was lint. Maybe it was evil lint. And Xander says, okay. First tip of the day, when I introduce you to Tony the foreman, you might want to leave out stuff like blacking out and evil lint. Yeah, no duh, Xander. Okay, but also this is Sunnydale. It could be evil lint. Like, you know, like it's not out of the ordinary. I want the evil lint episode, actually. That might be fun. Me too. Uh, So they approach Tony's crew. Xander introduces Buffy. She holds her hand out to Tony and he just glares at Xander. And everybody else does as well. And we know what he is thinking, right? But the show is like, I don't know that you do know. So they proceed <laughs> to spell everything out for us. Stairs aren't enough. <laughs> right? I don't, I don't know if it's just because this was 20 years ago that we needed, like, the te- the subtext to be text here. But I'm just like, wow, like, this is spelled out for us. It's very over. <laughs> um, so Tony says, you got to be kidding me. We're a week behind. I've got two men out on the DL, and now you want us to babysit some little girl? (laughs) And Buffy's like, excuse me. And Tony says, hang on, Gidget. This stinks, Harris. What am I supposed to do with her? And Xander says, give her a chance. She's stronger than she looks. So he scoffs, and Xander says, hmm, that's the spirit. Then he tells Buffy, hmm, don't mind him. Uh, He may seem pig ignorant, rude, and a little hostile. Have fun. And then he goes to leave. And Buffy's like, where are you going? He says, upstairs. I need to supervise the sheetrock hangers. And he's so enthusiastic about it. Xander's really moved up in the world since he mastered carpentry construction <laughs> two years ago. Since at the beginning of season five, he built shells. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. So Buffy is left, you know, to deal with the sexism of the construction industry all on her lonesome. Thanks for oh. the backup, Xander. Uh, So Tony is assigning the tasks and he uh, details a couple of the men to uh, haul some steel. They look like girders, I think is what you call them, the technical term. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of of the men is like, oh, you know, I don't want to get in trouble with the affirmative action lawyers. Why don't you put little Brittany on hauling duty? (laughs) Buffy corrects him on the name. And Tony's like, okay, princess, you're on it. Try not to break a nail. <laughs> so so Buffy's partnered with a guy named Vince, who actually appears to be trying to be nice. He's like, don't worry about it. Don't let them hassle you into doing something stupid. And then he says, these beams weigh quite a few hundred pounds. And as he says that, Buffy lifts the beam. She hoists it up on her own, no problem, hauls it over her shoulder and asks Vince which way. And he's just like, what? He points. He's, he doesn't say anything. He's, you know, dumbstruck, and 
uh, she says thanks and walks away and the entire crew watches her go and what i really like about how buffy handles this is or how sarah michelle geller handles this is when she lifts it like she lifts it no problem but her voice is a little strange so you can tell that it is a little bit of an effort for her and i i, I think that's a really good acting choice right where it's not just you know that she's just lifting it and it's, it's nothing it's like oh she is putting in that effort it's just this is within her capabilities well that's what i i was thinking um last episode i said that it's pretty clear to me that buffy should be teaching self-defense she should be a personal trainer at the gym uh she can make her own hours that could be her career but watching her do this construction work it makes sense and uh i think we'll see as she as the scene goes on that she thrives in her own way of doing this kind of work. It just sucks that the environment around her is so sexist. Yeah. <laughs> and it also sucks that she gets attacked. <laughs> Can I just note that the construction guys and the writers of the show really went all out when it came to the um, name calling? I mean, they pulled it out from all angles. In only a few lines, what, you've got Princess, you've got Brittany. They even went for a Gidget. <laughs> I mean, that's multi-generational right there. So. Yeah, they like we said they don't, they're not pulling out any stops. They're like, we want Buffy to get harassed here. We we want it to be very clear. Like there's there's no <laughs> there's no way around it. No subtlety whatsoever. No. And so we cut to upstairs where Buffy just you know tosses the beam on a pile of other beams. Uh, you know she's been doing this for a while. She's made conversation with another guy saying, I don't just want a job. I want a career, something I can grow into. I never thought I'd be working in construction, but if you think about it, it makes sense. Exactly. It does make sense. <laughs> and the other guy, he cuts Buffy off. He says, hey, we get paid by the hour. You want to ruin it for the rest of us? Slow down. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Like just like watching hours and like milking it for all you got. That's not just construction. That's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, like it's a very good point. It's, you know, it's legit. Uh, so we cut to the trio. They are in their creeper van. They are parked next to the construction site, and they are watching Buffy work through binoculars. Warren and Jonathan argue <laughs> over how to label the direction that she's in, in terms of where it is on the clock. So th there's a lot of bickering in this episode. Yeah, it occurred to me in this episode, just because they, they do bicker a lot. They fight a lot physically, too, not just verbally. Uh, these boys don't get along. I know we should stop calling them boys. These men don't get along. Like, do they even like each other or are they just I mean, banding it's together? It's kind of like Angel and Spike, right? Angelus and Spike never got along. Yeah, I guess if you're villains, you can't have besties. You can't you can't <laughs> genuinely like your friends. <laughs> uh, so Jonathan tells Andrew <laughs> that he is up next. So Andrew takes out a woodwind musical instrument <laughs> and begins to play it. And Steph has recited her notes like Mr. Tumnus in Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> Same thing. Uh, so cut back to Buffy. She's just getting water from the cooler. So good for you, Buffy. Stay hydrated. Uh, and there, you know, she hears this music. So she looks around her uh, and we see something pick up a big tool. We don't see the full person. And uh, Buffy spills her water and the camera reveals, oh, it's just Tony. <laughs> it's just Tony. Well, the matter. Did I scare you? And before Buffy can reply, a demon comes up behind Tony and Buffy has to push Tony out of the way. So he goes flying backwards because she, she you know, she pushed him using her slayer strength. Uh, and then she's surrounded by three of these demons. So fight scene, destructive fight scene, lots yes. of damage to this construction site, drywall, boards everywhere. 
she gets behind one of them with a shovel, uh, knocks him down. He melts away into like some kind of goo. I I compared it to the Listerine goo from when we watched the Dark Age and Igon kept like melting away into goo. Yeah, that's that's a good comparison. Uh, So Buffy then arrives on site where there's uh, two other demons. They're scaring the construction workers who are like cowering and being like, oh, make it go away. What is it? Uh, So she takes out these demons quite handily. Like, again, she's very good at using her environment, right? She uses wire to garrote one and, uh, you know, she kills the other one and then they both disappear. So uh, this is one of those cases where we don't have to ask, like, what did the Slayer or the Scoopies do with the demons that they slayed? (laughs) They melted. So it's it's easy cleanup. So convenient. Uh, So the trio watch. And Andrew and Warren are fighting over who gets to use the binoculars. And as this happens, Andrew accidentally leans onto the horn of the creeper van and starts playing the theme from Star Wars. There we go. I I knew you'd do it. Thanks, Steph. (laughs) So this draws a little bit of attention to the van, just a little. Buffy hears it and she notices that the van's parked there and It's one of those things where it's like you can see her starting to put the pieces together, but she's not quite there. Uh, So Jonathan and Warren look at Andrew, very accusing-like, and Andrew says, hey, all you said was lose the mural. Nerds. Nerds. I think we're learning a lot about Andrew here, too, because we already know Jonathan, and unfortunately, we already know Warren as well. Um, We don't know Andrew. We don't know much about him. So I just think it's really funny that as much as... He had to paint over his beautiful mural to the Death Star. He couldn't help himself, but <laughs> but put a little bit of Star Wars into the van through the horn. <laughs> so Xander was being gone for this entire time. Thanks for helping out, Xander. Xander runs over and he's like, what happened? And he says, I know these guys are jerks, but was this necessary? So he thinks that Buffy has like, Taking her anger out on all the construction workers. And Buffy says, I didn't do that. And Tony comes over because he got knocked out when Buffy accidentally pushed him too hard. He's bleeding from the head. Uh, So he's the Giles of this scene, if you will. (laughs) Yeah. And he says, I'll tell you what she did. I came over to tell your friend I was impressed with the job she was doing, liking the way she was handling herself. All of a sudden, she goes berserk and attacks me. Buffy is outraged by this. She says, I saved you from the... And Xander pulls her aside just as she starts shouting, demons, tree, big, baby things. And Xander's like, no, not here. Not at my job. That's your job. And Buffy says, I can't help where the forces of darkness attack me, Xander. And she sounds crazy, but she's also right. Yes, she's so right. Ugh, Like Xander. how many times... Have we been out and about in Sunnydale and, you know, the forces of darkness have attacked Buffy or one of her friends, like, all the time? Have you not known her for five years at this point, Xander? Come on. Well, have you not been in Sunnydale the whole time? Like, how how has his construction site not been attacked thus far? That's the surprising part. (laughs) Right? Demons, you know, who are like, not in my backyard. Well, it it makes me so mad because right after that, he said, he like gets mad at Buffy. He's like, would you look at the mess? Like, do you have any idea how much it's going to cost to repair all this? Why is this to the clients? Like, it's like, Xander, again. What did you expect? Do they not have insurance for demon attacks? Like they should. That's on them for building. I bet your company does, Steph, because of course you're in Toronto. 
Yeah, we do. We have the the demon claws <laughs> in every side contract. of the Canadian Hellmouth. <laughs> I mean, unless it's the same people who own the land as where Glory built that tower. <laughs> where there were no permits, nothing going on there. Wait, is this, this just the tower construction site in the daytime? Right? Like, I, I just feel like it's so unreasonable for Xander to be yell, like getting mad at her. Like, I get that he's frustrated and he doesn't want Buffy's Slayer life, I guess, mixing with his work life. But it's a little late for that, Xander. You hired her. Also, if I may make a, a joke here, um, or joy, as, as you will. <laughs> Xander said this was a union job, but I don't believe him because... I don't see, nowhere in this scene do we ever see like five guys standing around a hole while one guy does work. <laughs> might might I jump in on that comment for one second? Because I too thought those things before I actually started working in the industry. And now I realize that that's actually like one guy from the union does the work and then you have the supervisors. <laughs> And they're the ones making sure that he's a doing it safely. So there's a safety advisor present. And then there's the actual supervisors, like which of what, what I guess Xander is here. And then sometimes you have your interns or your um, people that are learning from the guy that's doing it. And then you have another guy that's going to do another job right after that guy finishes his job. So I learned that. So I will say it looks like they're doing nothing, but everyone does have a purpose there. <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah. I guess this is because of what Tony said about them being like shorthanded. So yes, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, there's yeah. a reason for it. But so Buffy says, you can't. They melt it. But there were witnesses. Vince, that was the guy who was being nice to her earlier. You could tell him, right? I jumped in and I protected you from those things. And Vince has decided he needs to switch sides here. So he's dialed his internal toxic masculinity up to 11. And he says, I don't know what you're talking about. All I know is you were losing it or something. That time of the month, huh? Oh my God. Uh... <laughs> Buffy rightly so is like, what? You were huddled in a corner, crying like a baby. And Vince is like, <laughs> crying you're tripping <laughs> like uh, and then buffy storms away Xander goes to follow her how buffy doesn't punch him in the face is like this girl is such a saint well she she spent five years building up a, a tolerance to tos toxic masculinity by being around Xander. like otherwise she'd be <laughs> punching Xander in the face on the daily it's true uh but that's the thing it's like this scene, like being on the construction site, and we already comment on it, how it's just so much. It's just so much harassment, so much sexism. And I wish I could say this isn't the way anymore because it's been 20 years. <laughs> but the, the sexism comes in a different way now. It's it's microaggressions. Like they're, they're, they're getting better at hiding the sexism <laughs> in, in the way that they treat you and in the that, comments, that's right? That's literally a comment that gets brought up in the Barbie movie stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah there, there, there's a point in the movie where a man basically says, oh, we just got better at hiding it. For me, um, I'm not on a construction crew. I'm part of the like uh, management team, but I am on site a lot. And when I was pregnant on site... Like the things that people would say that they thought was okay to say, it, it's it's alarming. It's really alarming. And it just goes to show that these men are only hanging out with other men on this construction site. They're not being checked. They're not like Buffy isn't the one correcting them. Xander sure, surely isn't correcting them. Yeah. So, so you know, Xander here, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get back into my Xander slander element after several episodes of 
somehow turning dark side and praising him all the time. <laughs> if Xander wanted to be the good ally that he thinks he is to women, this is his chance, buddy. You use your male privilege to say, hey, that is not okay. But he's chickening out and not doing that because it's going to cause him to lose face with the guys. And he'd rather, you know, preserve his social capital than actually help his friend and, you know, stand up for women. Yep. This is why we can't have nice things. So we're outside now. And Buffy is saying, I didn't imagine this. And Xander says, I believe you. Oh, shut up. Xander, you you didn't believe her in front of all the sexist men of that crew. But now that you're outside and you fire her, you're like, I believed you. <laughs> now that they're alone and it costs him nothing in front of anybody else to admit it, now he's a feminist. Ugh, the worst. <laughs> Woke misogynist feminist. Um, so Xander says, I'm starting to think this is uh, between this attack of the school thing that somebody is messing with you. It's connected. It's worth checking out. I don't mean later. I think you should see Giles and get on it right away. Start IDing those demons. And he's saying it in a way that he's clearly trying to get rid of her. So Buffy says, you're firing me, aren't you? And Xander says, big time. The whole melty thing ought to help narrow it down. Try sketching them. When I get off work, I can help go through the mugshots. What does sketching ever help? <laughs> hey, Angel was really good at it. He, he was good at it in being a villain, yes. <laughs> sketching them while they slept. Cordelia drew the, the fish monsters for them during Go Fish. Okay, but I, I want to come back again to Buffy doing this as a career. She was saying to the to her one friend in there that she wants a career. She doesn't just want a job. She wants a career, something that she can grow into. And I do think it's a shame that Xander is just like putting a stop to this potential opportunity here because Buffy would be really suited to construction work in, in terms of like she could pick her hours like it, it's like you make mm -hmm. the money and the hours that you choose right you don't show up one day then you don't get paid that's it um, and I think that would have been a good spot for her and she was doing well like she was working quicker and faster and better she was about to get complimented by Tony which I guess means something <laughs> in this situation but I just I'm just like you know what though that was a good potential and it's it's too bad that it's not working out for her because of Xander. At the magic box, I said the next day. Who knows when this is, though? Could be, I mean, could be a couple days later. Could be the next day. Could be later that day. This could all be happening in one day. Buffy just keeps changing outfits. Right? I don't know. Um, Buffy is with Anya, and she's saying that she's always been interested in retail. <laughs> Lies. So... Giles is putting books on the table and Buffy is saying, is this all research or just some kind of stress test for the table? And Giles says he wants to be thorough. The time anomaly and the demon attacks could be completely unrelated events, but if they're not, you could be in some danger. So Buffy just says, situation normal then. Anya comes over and she's like, let's review. Uh, and she's giving her her training to be a sales associate for the magic box. She's talking about returns. You know, here's where you record them. These are the slips for special orders. And as Anya is explaining this, the camera <laughs> focuses on the skull behind her on the shelf. And we see that there is a camera hidden in the skull. And it's because the trio are in the uh, sketchy van outside watching this training okay, happening so i don't buy that they could put a camera in the skull though because uh, you know anya checks every single piece of merchandise in that shop on the daily like she's cleaning she's dusting you know she's checking price tags like 
There's no way she wouldn't find a hidden camera. <laughs> Maybe they put like a, a notice me not spell or something on there, you know? Ooh. So Warren is saying, this is so dull. Might actually have fallen asleep and I'm dreaming you guys. And I was like, mm, to be fair, I too find retail work quite dull. I think that's the point too of why um, this whole like what we're about to see the whole loop thing happening. I think that's also a play on the way retail work can feel, right? Just like the same thing I mean, over and over again. You and I worked a whole summer together at the art gallery, those eight hour shifts. Do you remember <laughs> how we would take turns dusting the gift shop each day? <laughs> no, I'm doing it. No, me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to empty the dishwasher. No, me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 I agree here. So Andrew's confused, right? He says, why is the Slayer here anyway? She's a student, she's a construction worker, and now she's some kind of selling stuff person. She's Barbie. She's Barbie. She has every job. She's everything. Warren says she's completely without focus. Should we check the other channels for free cable porn? So I have two things to say here. Why do men watch porn together? <laughs> I'm always seeing these like comments in, in media that like, oh, there's porn. Come over to my house and watch some porn. What? Why do you guys watch porn together? It's so weird. Um, this is before the internet, of course, where you can just do everything by yourself at home. Uh, but it's it's weird. I'm sorry. Uh, someone write in and explain. No. Caro definitely wants to know. Please do not. <laughs> hot steak. Hot steak. Coming our way. Uh, the other thing I wanted to point out here is that these guys are getting dangerously close to seeing Buffy as an actual human being with problems and stuff happening to her as opposed to a fantasy or an object that is just there for them to observe and study and play with because they're bored. That's a fantastic point, Steph, because you've really hit it here. The trio, because of their way of observing the serial occupations that Buffy's trying in this episode, have a better sense of what Buffy is going through than any of her friends. <laughs> yeah. So much irony here. Right? But they're just like, what's she doing? Oh, there's porn. Like, they don't care. So jo Jonathan is sitting on the floor of the van, and he's like, okay, guys, I'm ready. So they join him, and he tells them they need to hold hands. Warren reaches to hold Andrew's hand, and Andrew's like, with each other? And Warren says, well, you know what homophobia really means about you, don't you? And uh, he's picking up this, like, bone that's on the ground as he says it, and Jonathan says... Stop touching my magic bone! And they giggle. <laughs> Hashtag no homo. I, th I think this little exchange is very interesting considering how, you know, without going into spoilers, like a little bit later in the series, Andrew's character is very queer-coded and a lot of fans read Andrew as queer-coded. And I know that in Lily Anderson's book, Big Bad, which is another Disney spin-off Buffy book, uh, Andrew is, is gay in that book, right? So... It's very interesting to see the show kind of almost queer bait us, I might say. Mm -hmm. Although it is, it could also just be read as kind of run of the mill homophobia, like we kind of saw with uh, between Xander and, and Larry back back in uh, season three. On the heels of Kara's insightful uh, observation, can I just add that I just love his magic bone? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm twelve. Yeah. I just find that highly amusing, and I'm glad that it like keeps returning to Jonathan's. I actually signed a copy of In, in, in Every Generation with a doodle of Jonathan's magic bone. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. It's like that Pokemon um, Cubone that has its own little bone. <laughs> yeah, no, don't... Um, 
Don't feel immature, Kandara. I laughed really hard at that too. I giggle along with it. It's hilarious. It's a good joke. Um, (laughs) So Jonathan starts the spell and he's saying, it's in Latin, so don't laugh. It's supposed to sound like this. So he, he lights a piece of paper on fire and he puts it in the pot in front of him and he waves the magic bone over top of of it as he does a spell smoke starts filling out uh filling up the van so they're coughing and from the magic box we see the van door open and smoke just like is pouring out and a woman enters the shop and the doorbell chimes buffy turns around to see the woman come in giles is behind her and says buffy a word uh a word in your ear while i was running the store i found it useful to imagine myself back in the library if you concentrate on the services and not on making a sale you're more likely likely to have a satisfied customer so he t- he's taking off his glasses as he's telling her this he's cleaning them but you know he's in lecture mode <laughs> right and buffy just says i guess i'll have to find my own style and giles is like yes quite right quite right and he walks away so <laughs> anya comes up to buffy and says that woman go sell her something and she pats her on the back and she leaves so buffy's walking over to the woman but a man stops her and he's at this table of candles and he says which candle creates a more romantic atmosphere and buffy smells one and she's like okay lemon seduction and then she smells another one and she's like ugh, essence of slug here you go and she hands him the lemon seduction candle and uh to be honest like the fact that this man couldn't figure that out on his own <laughs> doesn't bode well for him i mean maybe he's interested in somebody whose two favorite scents are lemon and slug what does slug even smell like i need to know have you not sniffed a slug <laughs> not not <laughs> my, not yet not recently that's for sure poppy goes up to the woman right and she's like can i help you and the woman's like i need something for a prosperity spell i heard you have it a mummy hand and i swear to god i thought this was <sighs> mrs gwendolyn post from <laughs> season three for hot they second. look nothing alike it's my it's my turn <laughs> normally i'm the one with the face blindness here for xander and angel this person looks nothing like quentin most sorry i guess mid-aged white british women just look the same to me I don't know. same actress in my opinion buffy says yeah actually i saw one downstairs i'm actually really impressed that buffy noticed this mm-hmm. you know that she knows the inventory she says it's kind of hairy though maybe it was a daddy hand and the customer just stares and buffy just says okay i'll go get it but like no <laughs> one appreciates joke. right like no one appreciates buffy's hilarious humor it's either too morbid <laughs> or too punny this one was good so downstairs buffy's looking for the item she she's like naming off stuff she's seeing including the dagger of lex and then she finds the mummy hand but when she reaches for it it jumps up and starts choking her and I was like, what is with these severed hands choking her? Remember the judge? The judge's hand also choked her in surprise. So Buffy gets the hand off her and stabs by stabbing it with the blade. And she goes up to the customer and she says, uh, she's holding the dagger with the hand on it. And she's like, you get the dagger of Lex for free with it. And the woman says, well, the hand is dead. The power is gone. I'm not giving you money for this. And Buffy's like, oh, it's just playing dead. And she smacks it and she says, little skip. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy's so funny. So anyway, <laughs> that doesn't work, okay? Because all of a sudden, we see the doorbell chime again, and Buffy is in the exact same spot she was at the beginning of this inter- of this whole interaction uh, five minutes ago. The, the customer comes in, and she's like so confused. She turns around, and Giles is again coming up to her to give him to give her his advice, and she's like, "Huh? What? Huh?" <laughs> she's like we did this just now giles something is happening and giles is like quite right quite right and walks away 
<laughs> so the trio are watching from the van and they're like, she's looping, it's happening. Uh, what did you do? Enchant the hand thing? And Jonathan says, I made it so that she had to satisfy a customer with a task that resists solving. Maybe I should have done more, like make her kind of itchy. <laughs> Anya goes up to Buffy again and says, go help the customer. Don't be nervous. Do what I do. Picture yourself naked. <laughs> the man stops Buffy again. Candle guy. Candle guy stops Buffy again. And Buffy just hands him the lemon candle. No conversation. <laughs> and she walks up to the woman and she's like, I'm looking for something really specific. I heard you carry it. And Buffy says, mummy hand. And the woman looks so confused. And Buffy says, you look like the mummy hand type. Sorry, I can't get that for you. And the woman says, I called here 20 minutes ago and someone said, you have one. And Buffy's like, well, there's this thing happening. <laughs> and the woman says, she goes full Karen. And she says, you have one and I was told I could buy it. And sorry, I'm going to have to hold you to that. I'm not leaving until I get the mummy hand. And Buffy's like, right, okay, I guess I'll have to get it for you. <laughs> so Buffy goes downstairs. Warren is in the van and saying, she's smart. She's figuring out the game. Satisfy the customer. She just might have you beat their stretch. And Jonathan says, no way. She hasn't even started yet. And Andrew says, I just hope she solves it faster than Dana did in the ep of TNG where the Enterprise kept blowing up. Warren says, Mulder and X-Files when the bank kept blowing up. And Andrew says, Scully wants me so bad. And they look at him awkwardly. So again, I wonder if that's leaning into the fact that he might be queer-coded or gay. Yeah, is, you he, know? is he covering too hard? So this is hanging a lampshade on the fact that you know, time loop episodes are kind of a standard trope for science fiction television shows at this point in time. And I want to say to that point, I feel a little cheated here. I feel like I would have liked the whole episode to be a time loop episode because they're so much fun, you know, and the fact that it's only just a small part of this episode, I'm just like, hmm, I would have liked more of this. I totally agree. Those episodes that they mentioned are like classic episodes. <laughs> I was th also thinking of the one in Xena Warrior Princess that does a great time loop episode. And this is the sequence in this episode. Was it was basically the reason why I asked to do this one, because I just <laughs> I love Sarah Michelle Gellar doing her Groundhog Day thing. It's just great. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Stargate SG-1 also has a really good one where they eventually just start playing golf through the Stargate. Like, <laughs> this is... uh, the point where, you know, they get so despondent in the loop that they just give up even trying to fix things and just kind of <laughs> mess with everything. I love it. Yeah, and we see Buffy getting, you know, increasingly more frustrated as this goes on. So so Buffy's advancing on the hand, but she has the dagger and tongs now, which is so funny. <laughs> the head is ready and waiting it's like a spider right like it's like it's like it's like ready for her to to attack and we see next buffy is upstairs uh handing a bag to the customer who's just staring at it, it at the inside of it and buffy says fingers sold separately so unsatisfied the, the bell chings at the door chimes at the door and Buffy turns and is so frustrated that she walks towards the customer. Anya says, where are you going? Buffy says, the lady needs a mummy hand. And Anya says, what? You haven't even talked to her yet. And Buffy says, I can explain, but you'll just forget it. And Anya's like, I'm worried about you. Retail is a fast-paced and exciting world. Has this whole day just gone by too quickly for you? <laughs> and Buffy's like, no, I don't think that's exactly the problem. <laughs> so Giles comes up to give her the advice. And Buffy's like, yes. Then I'm going to marry Bob Dole and raise penguins in Guam. And Giles is like, quite right, quite right. <laughs> That's such a weird, random 
sentence. <laughs> Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Buffy, again, just hands the candle to the guy, doesn't talk to him. She goes up to the woman and she says, mummy hand, right? You got it, lady. And she just marches to the back. <laughs> so this is the montage time. This is this is the, the joy of the loop, right? So we see uh, the mummy hand choking the customer at the register because I guess Buffy managed to get it up, but alive. The bell chimes again. Buffy marches past the guy with the candles, ignoring him and walks right out the door <laughs> like just to leave. But she ends up back at the store looking at, from the back of it uh looking in at giles anya and the two customers uh we cut to her staring sadly at the mummy hand which now is holding the tongs <laughs> click click click, yeah, click, click i love click, it click. and she's just staring at it really good special effects too that must have been tough to do 20 years ago yeah yeah actually that it did look really good um like uh what was um what's the hand's name in the adams family uh, the, uh yeah thing. no that's cousin aunt it's the thing it's the thing okay so the the door chimes buffy rips the bell off the door then it chimes again in another loop buffy throws the slug candle at the guy and says you want slug go slug she's not going to sleep with you anyway harsh but fair (laughs) um the trio in the van are mocking her and maybe this is a pop culture reference maybe you guys know it i don't know it where warren's like uh mummy hand has ceased to be and and Andrew's like an ex mummy hand, and like I don't know what they're referencing. It's Monty Python. Is it a <laughs> carrot sketch? <laughs> so chime. Uh, Buffy grabs Giles' glasses and stomps on them. <laughs> Another time, Buffy grabs the customer and says, "It's you. You're doing this." <laughs> <laughs> Another bell chime. Buffy whips the candle at the at the candle guy, and it like hurts him. <laughs> And then another one, the last one, is Buffy sobbing in front of Giles and and Anya. (laughs) So finally, Buffy's talking to the customer and saying, I know we promised you a mummy hand, but I can't get it for you. There's something wrong with it. It's defective. And the woman says, well, there must be something you can do. And Buffy's like, there's no way to to get the hand. But... I can special order one. We can deliver it wherever you like. And we cut to the register and Buffy says, thank you for shopping at the magic box as she hands her her, her special order slip. And the, the trio are in the van cheering. And Andrew says, okay, Warren had 220. I had the bonus for getting her fired. And Jonathan says the biggest component has to be how long it took to finish. Mine took the longest. And Andrew says, only from the perspective external to the time loops. From Mr. Giles' perspective, it was the shortest time of all. (laughs) And Jonathan says, so what do we do? And Warren says, it's obvious. It's not over. And I'm actually really disappointed that we didn't hear the ranking of Andrew's you know like his his time and then we didn't well, get jonathan i feel like we we can do the scoring right yeah we could do the scoring i haven't thought about it what, what would you score i think i think what andrew did was more than what warren did in terms of chaos. see so so i think it's interesting how warren and jonathan both went for time manipulation and andrew was basically like i'm just gonna have demons attack buffy which kind of feels a little bit like less creative yeah, I wouldn't give him points for yeah for being creative in any way, but he, Andrew is right. He does deserve the bonus for getting her fired. <laughs> like he got, like right. he really messed up her life in, in in the midst of all that. That that's a really good point. You're right. So I yeah I I would put it Jonathan Andrew Warren. See, I would go Jonathan 
Warren Andrew. Because I think, come on, Andrew, you're sending a demon to fight the Slayer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like she hasn't seen 250 of those before. <laughs> a very a very different approach, right? Because again, he affected her personal life more than the other two did. But we're talking about, like, if you guys are actually superhero, uh, super villains, then yeah, we need to have more effort, which is what Warren and Jonathan brought to the table. Yeah, I would agree with that then. I would say Jonathan, Warren. Andrew. Nice. Although I'm really sad that we didn't get to see Andrew uh, summon the flying monkeys like he did for the school play. <laughs> Maybe if Jonathan had let him borrow the magic bone, then that would have happened. <laughs> they got to learn, learn that instead of competing, they should team up. Right? And I guess according to Kara, Warren's test defies science completely. <laughs> so... Maybe he achieved what no one else could, like in the universe, by creating something that cannot be created. Mm. Mm. So, are you are we switching um, our answer? Is it now Warren, Jonathan, Andrew? It might be Jonathan, Andrew. Oh, I, I don't want to give Warren any credit if I could avoid it. So we don't want Warren to win, so we'll give it to Jonathan. Um, so Giles comes over clapping, right? He's like. Buffy, like, well done. Your first sale. Congratulations. It only took you 300 tries. Like, <laughs> what do Giles and Anya think if they look at the clock and they're like, wait, what? how is it suddenly four? Like, oh, yeah, because that's another question, right? Like, time looped for Buffy, but like to everybody else, like, if, if the trio's watching it from the van, did time not pass for them? I'm confused. Well, so it's, it seems like time was looping inside the magic box, but outside it wasn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, to Giles and Anya, they saw Buffy approach the customer and solve her problem immediately. Right. So, like, but but now because they're back in, you know, everything's all together now. Time passed outside the magic <laughs> no. box. No, my brain, my brain. <laughs> <laughs> don't do this to me oh this podcast episode was uh never finished because unfortunately steph's brain melted out of her ears <laughs> i'm in a time <laughs> loop <laughs> uh, that's why i'm like andrew wins because i understand what he did <laughs> so, i mean that um, is the problem with uh competitions and especially for art competitions right is you run the risk of the judges not understanding your art Oh, that's why figure skating did a, a complete overhaul of their judging system is because you can't just be like, I like this one best. <laughs> so, so Buffy looks slightly happy by the praise that Giles is giving her. But then Anya is reading the special order slip and she says, you didn't charge for delivery. And Giles is like, well, this is the first day. These things happen. And Anya says, I'll just take it out of your pay. And Giles is like, oh, yeah, I'm sure Buffy would understand that. And Buffy is like, yep, and just takes her tag off her off her shirt, puts it on the counter, and says, absolutely, and she leaves the store. And we see the, the, the bell chime one last time as she goes. Okay, this is on Anya, in my opinion. Like, I understand that Anya is a greedy capitalist, and she would pull this on her employee, right? I don't know if it's illegal. I don't think you can do this. Not in Ontario, probably in the States, though, or even if it's not. They're just going to do it anyway because wage theft is a huge problem. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm not surprised that Anya pulled this, but at the same time, it is Anya's responsibility as the manager to train Buffy properly. So if her very first customer needed a special order, Anya should have been there to oversee that transaction. So I think that's on Anya. Exactly. Yeah, it should come out mm-hmm. of Anya's pay. And this is where I started noticing with Buffy, kind of her mindset at this point. So. 
out of these three trials, we'll call them the three tests, she she appears to have quit school. Like she's not going to audit school anymore uh, because she feels left behind. And now she's quitting the magic shop. Like Anya didn't fire her. Buffy quit. She's like, I'm not doing this. The only job that she out of these three that she seemed to be excelling at, she was fired from, which was the construction job. So I think my point I'm just trying to make here is, yeah, Buffy's frustrated because all these shitty things keep happening to her on these days that she's going to these to 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 do these things. But it's a bit self-destructive to me for her to just quit, right? To be like, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm not. My head's not in it. I hate this. Um, it's frustrating. It's hard. Um, retail's boring. School's hard. I'm not doing it, right? And and then she leaves and she quits. So I think this is some of what Giles is sensing in her when he asks her what your plans are. And she's like, I don't know. What do you think? Like, what should I do? Typical millennial coddled by her parents so that she has no <laughs> resilience whatsoever to struggle. <sighs> she just gives up on everything the first time she does it if she's not good at it. Is Buffy a millennial or is she a Gen X? She's probably Gen X, but <laughs> I don't know. I hear you. I hear you. She's coddled. She's coddled is what I'm saying. But yeah, I just I just noticed that. I was like, okay, so Buffy just just quit, right? Like it's it's getting hard for her. And we see how she deals with how hard it gets in the next scene. So we're in Spike's crypt. Buffy is doing shots with Spike. And she says, This is gonna be great. <laughs> she shoots her shot. Uh, and then she makes a noise because it tastes bad, which Apparently, is a thing that people who drink alcohol enjoy doing. I don't get it, but no, okay. The fact that I think they're drinking whiskey. They, I think they're drinking whiskey, and that's bleh, like. Bleh. And um, I love that Buffy's lesson in beer bad stuck. Like she's not, you know, chugging beer. <laughs> she's just beer sure, bad. she's choosing. Yeah, beer beer's the, bad. The one thing she learned from college. <laughs> Stick to the hard stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it gets bigger. It gets gets the job done way quicker. Oh. Can I just say how cute? Her like little tongue sound is every time yeah. she shook a shot. It was just the most adorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we need more drunk Buffy in our lives. Honestly, it's not fair that we only get her. Well, this is the second time. Yeah, she's very endearing, and the next couple of scenes give me life. So Buffy says, "Life is stupid," <laughs> and Spike replies, "I have a dim memory of that. Yeah, didn't figure you were here cadging my whiskey." Because life is all full of blood and peaches. And Buffy says, someone's doing stuff to me. Messing up my life. Except that it was kind of pre-messed already. With school and jobs. It's pretty bad, even without the evil. And Spike says, so you're going to just let this whoever play you until it figures out what kills you? And Buffy says, oh, Giles is working on it. And Spike is like, oh, I feel better already, right? Like, good. <laughs> Giles wields the mighty force of library books. And Buffy looks at him and says, you do better. Spike says, damn right. Because he's so eager to prove himself to her. So he says, I'd hit the demon world, ask questions, throw punches, find out what's in the air. It's fun, too. Buffy's pouring more shots as he says this. And she says, it's not my kind of fun. You know, Spike's kind of got the bedroom eyes going on. James Marsters kind of... You know, his eyes are glistening a little as he kind of, mm -hmm. and he says, yeah, it is. <laughs> Your life is going to get a lot less confusing once you figure that out. And Buffy says, you have so had too much to drink at this point. <laughs> I am cutting you off. And they do more shots. And Buffy does the thing that Kendara likes. Yeah. <laughs> 
And Spike says, you're not a schoolgirl. You're not a shop girl. So he's just listing all of her, his fetishes at this point. <laughs> you're not a shrine in my basement. <laughs> you're a creature of the darkness, like me. Try on my world. See how good it feels. And Buffy says, are there drinks in your world? So Spike is like trying to like capitalize on the confidence that Buffy has given him of saying, I think I was in heaven and saying, I feel kind of dirty and dark now that I'm back here. He's like going with it. And he's like, mm, maybe I can use this to my advantage to finally convince the Slayer to be with me. And this is, this is where, you know, all the people who are like, but Spike loves Buffy and, you know, maybe he started off as a bad guy, but he's getting better. And I'm like, I don't see it. I just see <laughs> a creature of opportunity. I see somebody who is so infatuated with Buffy that he he's seeing this opportunity. He's like, this is it. I am going to convince Buffy that I am the only one who knows the real her now and can give her what she needs now that she's come back. He, you know, he's not only happy that she's back, but he, he's this gift has fallen in his lap of like, I'm the only one Buffy feels, you know, comfortable around right now. And I'm just like, ugh. He's seducing her in the scene, right? He's seducing her to the dark side. So but did he choose lemon seduction or essence of slug candles? <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, Buffy is in my, from what I'm seeing, she's got these self-destructive habits at the moment. And drinking is one of them. And yeah, Spike is capitalizing on that. Spike is seeing this in her and it's his time to seduce her to the dark side, right? And Buffy, because she's so caught up in her, what we can, we've only assumed, we don't, we're not, don't know for sure at this point, but her depression and her feeling lost because she's just, she's in this new uh, life that she didn't want. She's falling for it, right? She's opening herself up to allowing this um, because it, it's easier for her at the moment. And again, I don't blame her. I think that this is something that's, I mean, for lack of a better word, normal. It, it, it makes sense that she's going through this right now. And that's what Spike is telling her is swaying her, right? She's like, are there drinks there? Right? Like, okay, I'm coming because that's the vice I've chosen right now. Who knows what other vices she'll choose later on this season? Yeah. Um, as As a Spike fan... I think that he really does have moments where his character shows growth and where he shows like a hint of a residual soul, but this isn't <laughs> one of them. This is straight up just like opportunistic. Uh, hey, I see you're vulnerable and I can take you down this path. So let's have some fun. Yeah. It's like, um, you guys ever seen Emperor's New Groove? Um, excuse yeah. me? Hello? That's only my favorite Disney movie. Oh, I love that about you. Um, Kronk has his shoulder angel and devil, and the devil is like, I'm going to lead you down the path that rocks. <laughs> like That's that's kind of what Spike is to me right now. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I've been, I've been streaming on Twitch this summer, right? And uh, shout out to Azure and Reese from our Prophecy Girls Discord. Uh, they typically join me every Friday night. I'm playing a video game called Vampire, where I play a vampire in 1918 London. I'm a newly created vampire, and I have a choice of whether or not I'm going to feed on people. And so every week, Azure is the devil on my shoulder, and Reese is the angel on my shoulder, uh, trying to encourage me alternately, you know, to feed or not feed. And I'm just like, you know. <laughs> feed, feed. <laughs> I need to join these. <laughs> 
<laughs> so they go to a bar, all right? Buffy and Spike enter a bar and Buffy is like, your motorcycle is loud. So Buffy is wasted. And the, the bartender's like, Spike. And he says, the usual Dave and one for the lady. Um, Why aren't they at, oh, what is his name? Willie's. Willie's. Yeah, why aren't they at Willie's? Who's this Dave? Character? I think this is meant to be like even more degenerate than Willie's. <laughs> With an even more generic bartender named Dave. We got a bike and a Dave in this and a Tony. <laughs> What's going on? So um he says one for the lady, he says Spike, uh, we're heading for the back room where the real action is. But Buffy doesn't take the one drink. She takes the entire bottle of alcohol. <laughs> And we see her take a shot from it. And then she goes, Bleh! like as they walk into the back room. Once they get back there, Spike is saying, these lowlifes know everything that happens in this town. And Buffy says so loudly, oh, good. These are the lowlifes. <laughs> and there's four demons sitting at a poker table. And they turn to look at them. And Spike says, boys, what's the game? And one demon says, you know the game, Spike. You in? And the other demon says, he kills our kind. Don't let him in. And Spike grabs that guy and makes him stand. And they shoves him out the door. And he takes his spot at the table. And Buffy says, you're going to play cards? And Spike says uh, to the demons, I need a moment with my lady. Uh, you wish, Spike. You wish. He touches her. She knocks his hand away. And she says, you want to play? That's fine. I'm sticking to the original plan. Which one do I kill first for information? <laughs> and Spike says, these guys talk while they play. We'll get more information out of their mouths than gaping holes in their corpses. And Buffy just rolls her eyes and she gets comfy in her chair behind Spike um, as he sits down. And a demon that has sa saggy skin flaps for like skin. He kind of looks like a bat, right? He's got like these floppy ears. I'm just going to say it right now. His name's Clem, all right? Mm -hmm. And we love clem clem is a delight in this show we'll see him again this podcast is a clem stan podcast <laughs> we are and he's the one that says ante up the demons all start depositing kittens onto the table and buffy is like you play for kittens <laughs> and spike says who's gonna advance me a tiny tabby to get me started and he's like come on someone's gotta stake me and buffy says i'll do it <laughs> spike looks at her he's like what <laughs> thought I was just going to let that lie there. And she takes a swig from her bottle and we cut to Spike's face being annoyed and we hear her off screen. <laughs> That's such a classic line. So back, I, I think one of the reasons why season six has uh, so much appeal for me and nostalgia is because I think this was the first season I watched like real time as it was being broadcast. I was old enough to really watch it and understand what was going on. I remember the Space Channel here in Canada would often air, you know, promos for its shows, including Buffy, especially when it was doing it's like 26 hour Buffy marathons and stuff. Uh, and I have this vivid memory of one of the promos, including this little clip, the exchange between Spike and Buffy, where he's like, someone's got to stake me. And Buffy says, I'll do it holding up a lot of liquor. And when you pull it out of context like that, it's even like stranger and more wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we need more drunk Buffy in our lives. The trio are driving in the van and Warren is telling them that they're going to they're going to Final Jeopardy, where Buffy is the one in Jeopardy. And Andrew says, we're really supervillains now, like Dr. No. And Warren says, yeah, back when Bond was Connery and the movies were decent. And Jonathan says, nobody remembers Connery. Roger Moore was smooth. 
And Warren says, you're insane. You're short and you're insane. And Andrew says, I like Timothy Dalton. And Warren smacks him on his head. <laughs> he's like, don't make me pull over, okay? I love how Andrew does not read the room and is like, <laughs> I think the best way to contribute to this conversation is to add a third bond to the discussion. <laughs> And it's Timothy Dalton. Um, my hot stake is that I think the Mission Impossible movies are way better than the James Bond movies. And that's just, that's how I feel. It's going to start a war. <laughs> it's the truth. I, I'm going to be completely honest. I huh. don't care about any of them. If you want to watch a good spy movie, watch <laughs> Spy with Melissa McCartney, because that movie is hilarious. Mm. And Jason Statham, yes. <laughs> yes, it's very good. Uh, that's my recommendation for this episode. The poker game is continuing. Spike plays his hand and wins all the kittens. One demon says, you're lucky today, Spike. And Spike says, it's because I got my lucky charm with me, right? He's talking about Buffy. And we hear Buffy doing, we see uh, Buffy doing a shot, and then she goes, Bleh, in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the demon, the demon um, says, "Cleaned us out. No one's that lucky." And Clem's like, "I'm starting to think you cheat." And Spike says, "I cheat. He's got X-ray vision." And the one demon's like, "Well, I'm not using it." <laughs> Clem, Clem stands up and says, "We're not the ones who are cheating." But we see that a card has been hidden between one of his skin folds on his arm. And he says, I, I had no idea that was there. I could have leaned on that days ago. <laughs> so another demon says, better go, Spike. Things could get ugly. And the other demon says, things got ugly the second he walked in. Him and his human. And Clem says, her skin is so tight. I don't even know how you can look at her. Ew. <laughs> 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 so funny this is just an incredible scene this is no off doubt. the rails we usually go off the rails but the episode has gone off the rails now um spike stands up to that and the other demons are like leave your winnings and get out we'll f we'll forget this whole thing and spike says it's a setup isn't it squeeze a few quid out of the vamp I'll tell you what you didn't count on. Me and the bird you didn't stake anything to begin with spike they staked you <laughs> right those aren't your kittens to begin with. We hear Buffy in the background when he said when he mentions her. We hear, Bleh. <laughs> she's really <laughs> chugging back that bottle, you know, like <laughs> drinking a lot. Spike says, "You want to fight? You face the two of us." And Buffy's like, "What? I'm not getting into a bar fight. I'll beat him up for information, great, but not to defend your right to gamble for kittens, which, by the way, is stupid currency. <laughs> I, lo I love Sarah Stolgeller. Like, Kendara, you were so right. Maybe you can comment a little bit more about this, but, like, the way that she's playing this scene where, like, she's so obviously drunk, but she still has, like, this kind of internal sense of, like, her lim her limits right she's like i'm not getting into a bar fight with you spike like it it's that it's that sensibility right that she still has even as at the same time she's clearly intoxicated yeah yeah she just plays this whole episode so well i mean she plays the most endearing drunk anyone's ever <laughs> seen on television you know she plays every take of that time loop sequence just perfectly it's it's and then you know there's it's how many takes do they have to do of every take? <laughs> I think I've heard from actors before the key to playing drunk is 
not playing drunk because drunks don't think they're drunk, right? They're, they're like, I'm, I'm actually quite normal here. Interesting. And I find that Buffy, like, yeah, she's, she's clearly dr- she's drunker than we've ever seen her, but she's holding it together. And some people are like that when they're drinking. Wait, is she drunker than in beer bad? Uh, no, beer bad. She was, she was like wasted, but it was also because she was influenced by the spell. Yeah, right? that's true. Where, whereas here, like. She's she's not slurring her words. She's just more outspoken and like louder than one than she usually is. My question is because she's a superhero, because she has superhero strength, because she has these these abilities. Does that mean she can drink more and be affected less? I was going to ask that same question, right? Because she is tiny, and my understanding is that you get drunk faster the smaller you are, right? Um, yes. So yeah, so like normal person buffy size having drunk that much would be pretty wasted at this point so yeah it it, does she have like a super slayer liver yeah she (laughs) must have that slayer constitution i always notice that though in shows where people are just like taking shot after shot after shot and then like dancing a jig it's like no you have four and then you're just passed out on the rug (laughs) right like unless you're doing like jaeger shots where you drink it with red bull and it keeps you up like they're like oh god she drank so much is is what i'm saying is that what a jaeger bomb is jaeger bomb a jaeger bomb yeah it is (laughs) (laughs) why do people do this to themselves i don't why did i do that to myself is a good question It's fun for for an hour, and then you feel really ill, and you can't sleep because you had so much Red Bull. Wow, uh, good times, good times. Anyway, anyway, Buffy's right about the stupid currency as well, and the demon says they're delicious, like about the kittens, and. <laughs> Spike says, come on, Slayer, a big fight is just what you need. And Buffy's like, forget it. I'm not playing by anyone else's rules anymore. I'm done. And she goes to the table and she turns the basket of kittens over and she's like, scamper kittens, be free kittens. And uh, she leaves the room with Spike. Um, That's not enough, Buffy. You have to save the kittens. You have to take them with you. These demons are just going to collect them back up. What is with the cute ass animals getting abused this season? We started off with that fawn getting brutally savaged by willow no doubt in my mind these kittens are going to be eaten and no one's doing a thing about it so we go back to the bar and spike is like what's wrong and buffy is now this is the scene where i'm like okay she's definitely drunk she's like what's wrong you're gonna help me you're gonna beat heads and fix my life (laughs) but you suck and tonight sucks look at me look at me stupid buffy too dumb for college and freak Buffy, too strong for construction work. And my job at the magic shop, I was bored to tears even before the hour that wouldn't end. And the only person that I can stand to be around is a neutered vampire who cheats at kitten poker. And Spike's like, oh, you saw the cheating then, did you? (laughs) I like how that's what he picked out of that whole rag. He's like, oh no, Buffy saw me doing something bad. Right? Not that she's struggling or belittling herself. And Buffy says, also, I think you're drunk. And she <laughs> gloriously spins around. Like, it's such a, like... Know <gasps> when to exit. That's yes. key. Yes, yes. Spike is cracking his neck in annoyance and anger. So, well done, Sarah Michelle Geller. That was really good. Um, in the van, it's now parked. The trio are continuing to argue over their favorite bonds. <laughs> Um, the R word, I'll add, is used and thrown around in this dialogue. That was shocking. Yeah, it, well, it's just so shocking to hear it now, right? You're like, whoa, just like that? Mm-hmm. Just like that? Uh, but that's how it was just like that back then, right? Or even like five years ago, I felt like it was just like that. So 
Warren at one point says, this is stupid. We're wasting time. End of discussion. And then they're all like, okay, okay. And then he's like, yeah. And then he like jumps right back into the convo. And I wanted to add that <laughs> because I, I've done that, you know, where you're like, okay, no more, no more, no more. Except one more thing, right? Like you have to keep going. <laughs> relatable. They're relatable. <laughs> the trio is relatable at times. Steph in the comments right now. <laughs> That's me in every every time I'm fighting with somebody in our in our social media comments. I'm gonna be the bigger person. No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> Spike finds Buffy outside, and she's staring at the van, and she's like, "That van? I've seen it before at a at the construction site." So Warren and Andrew are literally tussling in the back, and Jonathan sees the camera and that Buffy's approaching the van. So he's like, "What do we do?" And Warren says, "Jonathan, grab your magic bone," and then they all giggle. <laughs> <laughs> so Buffy is slowly approaching the van and a giant red demon with well, I think it's wrestler shorts or like if I'm wrong like they look like um, they're, they're quite large and shiny yeah they look like wrestler shorts um, and large wings like just an over the top demon looking demon um, runs out and says you have discovered me do not try to defeat me for I have been testing you and I know your weaknesses and then the van starts up and drives away and Buffy attempts to punch the demon, uh, but she drunkenly misses, right? And she 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 does manage to kick it, and it falls over. And the demon is stumbling while Spike tries to help Buffy up, but Buffy's like, get off me! And the demon says, I'm well struck. I call on the misty portal to my demon dimension, where I'll lay my head and gently die. <laughs> and see. And he throws a smoke bomb on the ground. And we as the audience see him throw the smoke bomb and then turn around and run down the street. The Foley work on this sequence is chef's kiss. You can hear the little pitter-patter of Jonathan's feet. But Buffy's so drunk and Spike's not paying attention. So so all they see is the smoke and they're coughing. And Buffy says, he blew up. Did you see that? He's gone. Jonathan is so lucky that she's drunk right now. Yeah. So Buffy says, "You gotta love it, you know. Makes you feel feel all powerful, strong, kind of sick." Wow. <laughs> yeah. Bleh. So, yes, the red demon is Jonathan, right? And the, Jonathan catches up to the van, which is parked around the block, and he tells Warren and Andrew that she heard him all over. Uh, he says let the spell be ended so now it's just jonathan in his boxers well so he's wearing the same trunks right but they're too big for him now so he's got to like hold them up until he gets into the van <laughs> yeah so he's in the van and he says next time one of you guys has to look like the demon and andrew's like the slayer touched you and Ugh. jonathan says yeah it was sexy the way she touched me real hard with her fists i mean some people would like that jonathan i mean yeah not everyone's opposed <laughs> he says i only looked big i actually had the proportional strength of me and warren says we took on the slayer you guys i mean We've got all kinds of stuff on the computer now. Speed, strength, reaction time. We're getting what we need to really become a threat to her. We tested her, faced her, and we survived. And Jonathan says, not unless I have internal injuries that will eventually kill me. <laughs> and Andrew says, okay, but barring that, Warren's right. We did good. And Warren says, the trio versus the Slayer. It's not over. And Warren says, plus, look what Warren and I discovered by accident before we drove away. And they all look at the screen and all three of them say, free cable porn. Ugh. And then they all watched it together in the van and, and I guess jacked off together. I don't know. 
Is that what men do? Is that what they do? No. Again, send in those hot takes. He passed the magic bone around. <laughs> oh, God, the magic bone. That is not the way you use the magic bone. Because <laughs> I was like, how dare you besmirch the magic bone? <laughs> well, I'm just like, yeah, you know that man needs a good cleaning. Um, yeah. Uh, this is just, KK. Yeah. Clearly, moving on, the, the, the trio <laughs> has gained a lot of cockiness and confidence from their, and I put in quotations, evil plotting from this experiment, from putting Buffy through the ringer this episode, they like, they would see it as they're more powerful. I guess that that remains to be seen, but the the confidence in these three guys is definitely not going to be a good thing because we, as we talked about when we first met them in fluted, they're funny, right? We laugh, we laugh at their jokes, magic bone, like that's funny. Right. And they have the, as Kandara said, they're relatable in a lot of ways. We can't let that distract us from the fact that they're actually quite dangerous in that men like this do pose a, a giant threat to women in reality. And they have made a couple of references here, right? Like, oh, the Slayer touched you. And like, you know, previously mentioning that they want to make Buffy their little sex doll or whatever. Yeah. So it's just I had to add that into the end here that them being more confident might not be a good just, thing. Just the constant, just the constant use of surveillance in this episode. The idea that these men think they have the right to surveil a woman and to test her, right, and evaluate her. It reminds me of Checkpoint. Oh, yeah. It reminds mm-hmm. me of the Watchers Council, thinking that they have the right to show up and test Buffy, you know, surveil her in a slightly different way in the sense of, like, they're interviewing all her friends and stuff. Like, it's just it's another example of the show exploring how in our society, we constantly teach men and boys that you have power over women. Like if you and a woman are in the room together, you're the more powerful person. And there's, you know, other dynamics that are baked into that along, you know, lines like race and class and stuff as well. But, you know, when it comes to patriarchy, the show is really commenting on the fact that Warren, Jonathan, and Andrew don't see their surveillance of Buffy and their comments about how sexy she is as evil. This to them is normal and acceptable behavior. And the evil part is their use of magic and demons and, you know, uh, mad scientist technology, you know, with the aim of kind of stopping Buffy so that then they can take over Sunnydale. But all of the misogyny is just, you know, that comes for free. (laughs) At this point in the series, I always felt like the trio didn't really think of themselves as evil. And I think it's referenced by how how much they nerded out in this episode and all the references to nerdy pop culture icons is that they're they're in there like they want to be that supervillain phase. And you know that that Joker to Batman, they want to be Joker to Buffy's Batman and eventually gain her respect and not ever really kill her. I don't think that was their goal at this point, but just to be recognized as that like big thing. I always get that vibe from Jonathan all the way back, even back in earshot a little bit. And then I definitely, definitely in superstar that he's going about this in a terrible way, but what he ultimately wants is to be part of Buffy's crew. Like that is Jonathan's dream is to be one of Buffy's friends because he sees how great she is. We know that because he was the one who gave her the special toy surprise at the prom. And there's, I also, I just always thought 
there was such a level of betrayal on Jonathan's part that was way higher than the level of betrayal on Warren and Andrew, because we know Jonathan, we've known him since the early mm-hmm. seasons, and now we have to watch him and his villain rise. It's just harsh. And the amount of times yeah. that Buffy's saved Jonathan is laughable that he's putting her through the ringer in this way. Right? They have a relationship. <laughs> yeah, and like like as you're saying, though, he he wants her respect. Because I think I think Jonathan does respect Buffy, but he definitely doesn't feel that in return, and therefore it's okay for him to serve it to, to do this what he's doing to her, and that's not right. All right, well we have one more scene at the Summers' house. Buffy is leaving the bathroom after I'm assuming puking her guts out after all the alcohol <laughs> because she was drinking whiskey, and then I don't know what she grabbed at the bar what she was drinking from the bottle, but if it was not whiskey, that means she's mixing her drinks which is definitely going to lead you to puke more. You learn that the hard way, that's for sure. So Giles has a water for her because he's a sweet man. He's asking her if she feels better. And Buffy says, I think at one point it actually turned completely inside out. But yeah, better. And Giles says he's sorry he didn't find this demon with uh, in his research. And Buffy's like, it's okay. It wasn't much of a fight. I got lucky. And she sits, she sits on the floor at the end of her bed and she puts her head in her hands and i was like that is so relatable because when you're hungover sometimes you just gotta lie on the floor <laughs> like <laughs> bed is too soft and also it's a hazard in case you puke all over your bed so you gotta lie on the floor next to your bed i'm making myself sound like an alcoholic <laughs> i had had a drink in years <laughs> i think i think it's only because you know you are the more experienced one of the two of us on this podcast right i don't know about you kendara but like i don't drink i, I never I've never been drunk. I've had like, tr- I've tried sips of alcoholic beverages here and there and eventually reached a point where I'm like, I don't like any of these. Um, <laughs> so like between the two of us, Steph, I'm just really relying on you to provide perspective here because I don't know. The only thing I know about drinking is what I see on TV. Well, um, Kandar, actually, you might relate to this. I'm not a casual drinker because I get really red. <laughs> I get Asian glow, as we call it, because uh, I think how it goes. I don't know the exact science. We lack an enzyme that <laughs> causes our faces to get really, really red. And it's not just my face. It's like a, it's like almost like an reaction, an allergic reaction. My whole body yeah. gets red. Um, so when I drink, it's like I'm all in. That's why <laughs> I'm like, oh, then I puke everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> the Asian flush. Mm. Yes. Um, you know, I only get that every once in a while. So I guess I'm only Asian sometimes. I don't know. Like sometimes it depends on what you're drinking or what you've eaten, perhaps, right? No, I I'm pretty like I have a regular. I, I enjoy a sipping whiskey. I like you know wine, a glass of wine every now and again, and it doesn't seem to matter. It's just randomly sometimes I'll get the flush. Your body's like today is the day where we're yeah. gonna let you get. Reason, Kadara, when you said I enjoy a sipping whiskey, I pictured you inside one of those dogs playing poker paintings so you're like sitting next to all the dogs playing poker you're like a smoking jacket and you've just got your cigar your whiskey yeah like i could have been at that demon card game you know <laughs> anteing up with the kitchen yeah and then i've been in the background <laughs> <laughs> but anyway yeah enough on drinking buffy's sick we feel bad for her we i, I know what she's feeling nothing is worse than the spins when you're hungover buffy tells giles that she really screwed up and Giles sits on her bed and says, you were being tested uh, sequentially by some unknown demon. I wouldn't call that screwing up. And Buffy says, I let the demon set the rules. Remember earlier she had said to Spike, I make the rules now. Or she said something along those lines. So did I wonder if she, did she learn something from this experience? Like, is she learning? What, what is she learning, Cara? Tell me, because I don't, I feel like she's 
when she says that, like, I let the demon set the rules, I'm not going to do that anymore. That sounds like a lesson. I agree. I think she did learn something. Like, the, the, the trio actually did good here. Like, they were the most helpful of all the people in this episode for Buffy. Except for what Giles is about to do. <laughs> so... <laughs> Giles says, go easy on yourself, will you? You don't have to figure this whole thing out at once, the job and everything. You're pushing yourself too hard. Keep it, Giles. You're the one asking her what she wants to do with her life. Like, what's her plan? <laughs> anyway, uh, Buffy says, uh, the nice people at the phone company seem to think it's not hard enough. And Giles says, maybe there's something I can do about this. It's for you. And he hands her a check. Buffy takes the check. She looks at it. Her eyes go big. And she says, this is too much. I can't take it. And Giles is like, okay, I can tear it up. And Buffy's like, no, I was just being polite. <laughs> she says, this is great. This is more than great. I don't know how to, how to say this. And Giles puts his hand on her shoulder and she says, it's a little like having mom back. <laughs> mm-hmm. my, heart, my heart breaks. Giles says, oh, in this scenario, I'm your mother. And Buffy's like, want to be my shiftless absentee father? <laughs> Fuck Hank, Summers. Yeah, no one wants to be Hank. Giles says, "Is there some sort of rakish uncle?" <laughs> um, sorry have have we seen have we all seen Tony Head in Ted Lasso? No. Yes. Like, oh my god! Is he a rakish uncle in that show? Should I watch it? <laughs> he, yeah, he he's quite the 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 rich bad boy. Well, he's been daddy to this to me in this podcast for a very long time. So I guess I'll have to be watching Ted Lasso later. Buffy says, I'm just saying thank you so much. And she gets up and Giles helps her up. And she says, I'm going to go show Dawson. Did you put that or did I put that by accident? You you put that. (laughs) I can't believe it took us this long to think of that. Sorry, um, everyone. She goes to go show Dawn, but in my notes, I put Dawson. (laughs) I think that was a typo, but that's hilarious. (laughs) So she loves it when things get easy is what Buffy says. So at the door, she turns to Giles and she says, I just want to tell you that that this, it makes me feel safe knowing you're always going to be here. And Giles grins. Buffy walks away and Giles' grin turns into a worried frown. He's so good at that. Fade to black. Uh, how much money do you think Giles gave him? I like that you spelled check the Canadian way in your notes. I appreciate that stuff. Mm-hmm. $10,000. That's it? Well, this was 20 years ago. Remember, money, Oh, you know. I was thinking 50. I was like 50K, 50K. I don't, I don't think she, yeah, <laughs> that was, yeah. <laughs> I don't, but I don't know how much things cost. So like, just, if she wants to go back to college, if she wants to not eat chicken in a bucket like every night, I figure he gave her $50,000. I, I don't think he's bankrolling college. I don't think that he's paying for a new roof. Like those are big ticket items. Yeah. I think, you know, 10000 covers the plumber to get that basement unflooded because that's not safe. Uh, you know, 10000 covers the plumber. It cover, covers, you know, the phone, the power, the bills, the mortgage, whatever, like. Buffy and Don can live off of the t- that $10,000 for a couple of months. And then okay. you know, yeah. Buffy does need to find a job or something. I think, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, where would Giles get 50,000 from? He wasn't being paid as a watcher for a while there. <laughs> he didn't have a job for season four. But we don't know if, if, if he told the watchers council that Buffy was dead at the end of season five, because he could still be making money off them. While she was dead. He saved up all that retroactive pay that he got at the end of. That's a good point, yeah. Right, good and we point. don't we don't know his salary at the Watchers Council anyway. I feel but... like you should uh, poll people on Instagram, Steph. Oh, I will, I will. And um, 
my, yeah, my thinking was that Buffy said earlier, right? She had to reshingle the roof. They have to get their their full full what is it? Full copper repipe job or whatever. There's a full couple things that I thought he was going to cover. Repipe. Yeah. No more copper. <laughs> Not anymore because Giles is taking care of it. But yeah, that's fair. It depends on what you think he's covering. Can we just talk a little bit about Giles's turning grin to a frown? He looks very concerned at the end of this episode. Why do you think that is? Well, he's concerned because he is the human embodiment of the upside down smiling face emoji. <laughs> um, we actually watch it turn upside down. It starts off as a normal smiling face. And then he flips around. <laughs> he's concerned because, he, as you noted earlier in the episode, Steph, he sees Buffy relying too much on him. And therefore, he feels that he's failed as her parent. Because he might not be her dad, but he's the dad who stepped up. And I assume you're the parent, so you can tell me if it's otherwise, Steph. But like, <laughs> I assume that what every parent wants is for their child to turn into a healthy, functioning, independent adult at some point. And Buffy's not there yet. And Giles is like, oh, my God, like I taught Buffy how to be strong and fight demons, but I never managed to teach her how to be like independent. And I think that he's, you know, he's worried that by giving Buffy this kind of safety cushion, he's actually doing more harm than good. Yeah, like he's putting a band-aid over Buffy's pain, but also Buffy's journey into adulthood, right? Like he's giving her too much. Um, or I guess I think it's like, for me, it's like that balance between healing and growth and and Giles wants to fix it for her. He, like, he, like he is her dad in a lot of ways, but he also knows that that's probably not healthy in the long run, especially since Buffy is clearly lost at the moment. So being that band-aid for her at this point in time might be part of his confliction here. But I also want to add that Buffy is, I think, 20 years old. She might be 21, but she's 20, I think. And she's a traumatized young woman who just came back from the dead. And she's raising her teen sister. And she's broke. And she needs help, right? So I don't think she needs a life lesson right this second, which is, well, exactly why he's giving her the money, right? And saying nothing else about it. But... Yeah, I just feel like at the moment, like Buffy deserves to have a little bit of cushioning. Like, I think it's okay to coddle her at this point. But Giles is apparently fighting that urge. Yeah, I, I think that um, at the beginning of the episode, it really felt like, hey, you guys are really pushing her back into normalcy. She's had trauma after trauma after trauma. She never really recovered from like even losing her mom. She didn't have time to process that. She had to go save the world right away and then die for it. So there's just so much stacked up on her. And I, I would agree. I would think that the reason that we see Giles's grin turn upside down so fast is because he realizes how good it makes him feel to be able to be this dad. But he also realizes that he can't keep doing it. And that's going to make him make some hard choices. Mm -hmm. Well put. And that's yeah. going to suck for him. Poor Giles. Poor Giles. Poor everybody. Actually, not everyone. Poor Giles and poor Buffy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everybody else was kind of okay. You know, yeah. Anya got to glean that paycheck, and yeah, I mean, everybody else was doing their thing. The trio got free cable porn, mm -hmm. right? The customers were satisfied with their candle and mummy hand. Like everything is great for everybody else in this episode. Uh, who's your hero? Oh, <laughs> I have to think about that. I have to think about that for a minute. Sorry, I I had a really tough time with this because, like you just said, Kendara. Everybody's just kind of okay. It's kind of a blah episode in terms of heroics. I think I have to go with Spike. Interesting. Here's why. 
of all the Scoobies, he was the one willing to listen to Buffy, and he did tell her what to do. <laughs> but you'll notice that when Buffy didn't do what he told her to do, his reaction was just to kind of like go with it, right? Buffy was the one who's like, yeah, like, you know, I want to beat them up. And then he's like, no, I'm playing kitchen poker. And then like, you know, she's like, oh, the van. He's like, oh, do you want to steal the van? Like Spike was the one most willing to meet Buffy where she was at. Whereas everybody else Mm. was trying to like make Buffy fit into their expectation of what Buffy should be, right? Willow thought Buffy should be a student just like her. Xander thought Buffy should be, you know, a good little worker and ignore the blatant sexism (laughs) that he can ignore because he's a man. Giles and Anya thought she should be a nice little retail drone, right? Like each of them were seeing this one kind of side of what Buffy could be. Spike is the one who's like, this is what I think you are, right? And I'd like you to try this out. And when it didn't go the way that they were expecting, he's like, "Mm, oh, well, we tried. That's a good choice. Good choice. I did a shout out to all the Scoobies as well. Like you said, like they, they, I mean, I feel like they were all doing their best to help her in their own ways, even though some are obviously not as productive at it as let's say Spike, as you just said, but ultimately I chose Giles because he gave her monies. <laughs> he gave her 10 <laughs> to $40,000. We're not sure how much. That That's a very Stephanie Chow kind of <laughs> decision. And I, I understand where you're coming Thanks, from. Thanks daddy. <laughs> love you so giles gets the hero card for me and a shout out to angel for probably doing a lot of stuff for buffy in the background wink that we didn't get to see oh yeah you know he was like biking around sunnydale just on a pedal bike <laughs> in, in the background making sure she was fine angel actually came back with her and he's been shadowing <laughs> her the whole time um okay i'm is it against the rules to choose buffy no no we do buffy a lot she really carried this episode. I mean, not only was she just the entire focal point of the episode, but she's such a hero, you know? She's a hero even when she's depressed. She's a hero even when she's completely overwhelmed. She's a hero even when she's drunk as a skunk. <laughs> so I got to go with Buffy. Such an obvious choice, too. We're all like, Giles, uh, Scooby's, Dawn for eating chicken? Like, no, obviously Buffy's a good choice. I, I didn't choose Buffy because I do feel like the way that she's kind of leaning into that leaning into giles right and kind of be like oh giles i know you'll always be here for me but i i see what you're saying kandara like she is a very strong contender for sure well we have we have hot steaks that we're going to read out now um hot steaks brought to us by chicken in a bucket (laughs) 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 um our first one is from bristol Uh, bristol says we know warren jonathan and andrew are super smart intelligent college-aged guys and we know warren was going to school but did we ever find out if jonathan was going to school it doesn't seem like any of them are still going to school during the season. They are so bored that they decided to take over Sunnydale. Why are they not working for some tech company or something? Um, Bristol, are you talking about the same one that tried to recruit Oz and Willow when they were in grade 10 or grade 11? Um, uh, Bristol also adds that, didn't Jonathan already learn his lesson in Superstar? He totally tracks here. Very good points. <laughs> yeah. Very good points. And it's so true. They are bored. Like, that's why they're doing this, right? They're bored. So possibly they're all dropouts. Um, We don't know what happened between Warren and Katrina. Like, did she ever take him back when he went back to school with her? Like, clearly not because he's back in Sunnydale, single. (laughs) So we have to learn more about the trio as the season goes on. Our second hot stake is from Grace talking about bargaining part two. 
I find this episode difficult to watch because of the explicit imagery of violence against women and rape. It's deeply uncomfortable. Of course, Buffy thought uh, that this was hell. I don't think I'll ever forgive them for resurrecting her. Even though I love the show and I want more episodes, I love Buffy more. She deserved peace. She deserved to rest. And also, how rude of the Scoobies to return Buffy's gift like that? At least wrap it up and give it to someone else. Mm. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Good one, Grace. Um, as she's referring to, again, that death was Buffy's gift. We learned that in season five. Yeah, it's so true. So we, we a couple people have said, have, have pushed back a little bit about how Kara and I we, we've said it before in other episodes and we said it in bargaining part two that we don't like whenever they use um, language and violence against women at, just like willy nilly throughout the episode because yeah, the- it, it, they, they sprinkle it in right as some seasoning to raise the stakes. And it's like, yeah, we're never going to just be like, oh, it's just a joke or, oh, it's just there to raise the dramatic tension. Like we're always going to take that stuff seriously because it is super serious and we're over it. And we were over it 20 years ago. Yeah, it's like, it, it does, like Grace is saying, it makes her uncomfortable. It makes us uncomfortable too. And that's why we bring it up. And sometimes that's what makes this show um, a little bit um, harder to watch when you rewatch it later on, right? When you catch these things that you didn't catch before. Mm-hmm. And it does stick with you. I haven't watched Bargaining Part 2 in a couple of years, probably since I did my rewatch when I started working on the books in 2020. And I still know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like I remember... Yeah. The biker line. I'm like, ugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You need a shot and you need to do a Buffy blast. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like when people are, are fighting off on it, they're saying, that's part of life. I think it's just part of life. And it's like, yeah, but like, you know what else is part of life? Going to the bathroom every day. But the show doesn't show that. So like, it's okay to show sexual violence against women. Like, make it make sense, you know? Yeah. Um, Kendara, any other hot stakes from you about this episode? No, um, I'm just really glad that I got to do this episode with you guys because rewatching mm-hmm. it, I rewatched it last night and I'm like, this is still so much fun. <laughs> like this is one of my favorite episodes in all of season six and maybe in the entire series, like just the performances and the writers had a field day with some of these scenes. Yeah. Yeah. The time loop was a joy. Yeah. The, this poker scene a joy like drunk Buffy it, it's it's a very creative episode it's really kind of well it, it's one of those things like you were saying earlier Steph it goes off the rails like this is an episode that shouldn't work and it just it's gloriously messy uh, and I love it um, so yeah thank you so much for joining us once again Kendara pleasure to have you back on the show I know you mentioned previously uh, the Buffy novels that you've been writing, two of them are already out from Disney. Uh, one more is coming early next year. Uh, any other projects that you want to plug? Anything else you want to mention? Um, unfortunately, nothing Buffy related. Um, but I do have a new fantasy coming out called Champion of Fate, and it's coming out on September 19th. <sighs> That's exciting. That's one day before my birthday. So <laughs> Happy birthday, Kara, just for you. <laughs> <laughs> I always love it when authors release books in September, I'm just like, it's a birthday gift to me. Because <laughs> I know you totally have control over when a book comes out. Um, no, we should read it and we should review it and we should we should make a TikTok of it. I love your TikToks. I I recently um, talked with like a video creator and she's like, do you have any like recommendations for, you know, 
who should I watch for getting inspiration? Like, do you know Prophecy Girls? Their memes are hilarious. Oh my God. That makes me so happy. Mostly <laughs> Steph. So, you know, yeah, Steph is extremely creative, but yes, good job, Steph. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's, that's awesome. Awesome. And uh, where can people find you on social media? Well, I'm mostly on Instagram these days Sensible. at Kendara Blake, but um, I'm also on threads now. So threads at Kendara Blake. And if you're on the bird app, that's no longer the bird app. I still am there. So I'll see it if you add me, but I don't hang out much. That's fair. We are uh, at the end of the episode. We're going to have to let you go, Kendara. Before we do, we're going to thank all of our Buy Me a Coffee supporters, especially our chosen ones. Lizzie, Holly, Kayla, Jordan, Julian, Nicola, Luis, Joshua, Reese, Susanna, Emma, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, Tasha, Ricky, and Amy. Yes, thanks for joining us, Kandara. We hope to see you again soon. Come back anytime. We love recapping with you. Uh, thanks, everyone. We will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook prophecy underscore girls on twitter also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our discord can't wait to hear from you praise malik see you next week